0: This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit VictoryFaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at VictoryFaith.org slash live. Now, on to the message. Hello there, my name is Justin. In case I'm an unfamiliar face to you, my wife, Christina, and I are the campus pastors of Victory Faith North. Yeah, they are up, Christina's holding the fort down for the North Campus today, and Pastor Terrence is up there preaching. They're doing an amazing job, and we're having a lot of fun up there, seeing lots of new families all the time. And uh, we're just growing and we're really enjoying what we get to do. Uh, Victory Faith, we are one house with multiple rooms. We're just a part of your family out on the North Campus. We have this campus, the North Campus. We have our Bungoma, Kenya Campus. We have those of you online. Thank you for joining us online today. But we're just one family of God doing everything we can to lead people to life in Jesus. That's our focus. And that's what we believe we can do on the earth together. So I'm excited to share a message with you. It's been a while since I've been on this stage to do that. Uh, I see so many familiar faces. I love you guys. You're you're, you're a good-looking crew. Look around. Look around. Tell your neighbor, hey, you're looking good. Ooh, I might have just sparked something. Who knows? Hopefully it's good. (laughs) Something good. (laughs) Well, uh, today I want to share a message with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1, and the title of my message today is, Take the Oar. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church about who we are and how we ought to be seen. And this is what he says, this is how one should regard us, he's talking about us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you will come open our eyes through this message today and through what your scriptures say about who we are. Help every single one of us today to have an encounter with your presence. Where it's not just words on a screen or words that you're hearing, but, but words that come straight from the heart of heaven into our hearts. And let it shift where we are spiritually. Let it shift our attitudes and mentalities. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us as a church to see who we are in Christ. And Father, I'm praying for anyone here who uh, just came and and they're they're experiencing a lot of chaos and, and, and turmoil in their life right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will show them you have an anchor in your presence and you have a people, you have a place for them to belong, a place where they are loved, a place where they are valued and a place they know who their family is. So, Father, just come and meet each one of us right where we're at today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, it's Labor Day weekend, which is traditionally kind of the last hurrah of summer and uh, even today, we're gonna go get our last hurrah in as a family after this service is over. We're gonna pack up the van. We're gonna head north where our family has a, a cabin out on the lake. Pastor Craig and Moni, they're my in-laws, and they you probably heard him talk about the lake cabin north of Colville. It's been in the family for five generations, and it's an amazing legacy that we get to do that. We get to enjoy that together. And a couple years ago, Pastor Craig, made a really strategic purchase in order to help carry the legacy on for future generations. He got a jet ski to keep up there at the lake because he knew if nothing else, the grandkids would keep coming back for the jet ski. Yeah, and look, there we go. That's me pulling my my littlest son, Sam, out on the inner tube there. And he's the funnest to pull on the inner tube because he is the lightest weight. And that means when I get that big wave and I, I hit it at just the right speed, he'll launch a good six or seven feet in the air. And he's amazing, he has good grip strength, so he'll hold on half the time, but half the time I get to see him tumble into the drink, and uh, they they all enjoy it. In fact, our last trip up there, uh, they started begging me, no more waves, no more waves. Well, last summer we were doing this, and we had an incident where one of the times when somebody had fallen in the water, I was helping them get back up on, on the tube, And I started up the engine, but then I noticed the tow line, you know, the rope started coming back towards the jet ski. So I killed the engine because that can be a little bit dangerous, but I didn't kill it fast enough. And the intake motor sucked in the tow line and wrapped itself around the motor. And we were then dead in the water. We, we couldn't go anywhere. There was no way to start that engine again safely. And so I had to get out that little emergency paddle. And with my two boys and the, the inner tube still attached, I had to row us back to shore. And it wasn't a cool paddle like like this nice wooden paddle. It was like a flimsy little emergency paddle. And I found myself in that moment really wishing that I had two more oars, one for each of my kids. As little as their arms were, it would have helped. Every little bit would have helped get us back to the shore faster. And it would have been nothing like, how many of you watched the Olympic rowers this summer, during the Summer Olympics? I love watching the Summer Olympics, and the rowing is so impressive. To see these athletes who, in and of themselves, their bodies are fine-tuned machines, but then together, when they're rowing and pulling in perfect unison, the way that those canoes can just cut through the water straight as an arrow with such speed, such power, it's impressive. And I started thinking about this. I started thinking about the inner tube or how many of you like to water ski or wakeboard or any of those boat sports. That's a lot of fun, right? I started to think about that and I started to think about rowing and I kind of thought, you know, this could be two pictures for us to help us understand two different approaches to what it means to participate in our local church. Because some of us are water skiers, And today's word, just to warn you, it might be a little convicting. And if you're new here, uh, this word is probably a little bit more aimed at people who have been around for a while. But I'll I'll talk to each of you as we go throughout. So water skiers are the ones who, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, it's like going for a thrilling ride. And it is. Our worship team, they're driving the boat, and we just grab the rope. And all we have to do is hang on for the, you know, 30 minutes of worship. And we, they take us to places in God's presence. And it's beautiful. The sun is shining. His presence is shining on us. And then the preacher gets up there. And he's going to give us some more challenge and some more waves and some choppy waters that we're going to get through. But if we hold on through the end of service, we're going to go places with our preacher, with our worship leaders. But then Sunday is over. The motor stops. And we float and the rest of the week Monday through Saturday we got our life jackets on we got our life preserver we got our salvation we're going to stay above the water but every current that comes every wind that comes we're just going to go wherever it takes us until Sunday morning comes around hopefully we're close enough to the boat to go on a ride again now obviously that's the not not the kind of Christians I hope that we would want to be But rather, I want to be what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 4.1. Because when he says, we ought to be regarded as servants, that word servant is the Greek word huperetes. And that literal translation of that word is under oarsmen. So when he says, we ought to be regarded as servants, we ought to be regarded as oarsmen. And the Apostle Paul had a very specific image in his mind of what he's talking about, of what it means to be a servant in the house of God. It means to be like one of those rowers on a Roman galley ship. And we have a picture of that that's going to come up here in a moment. These galley ships were an amazing innovation in seafaring at their time. These ships, you can see the under oarsmen are below decks. That's why they're called under rowers. And they could have anywhere from uh, 15 to 30 pairs of oars. And on every oar, they could have one to three rowers. And contrary to some Hollywood depiction, these rowers were not usually slaves. They were often soldiers or paid, skilled laborers who were really good at pulling those oars. And these ships were incredible because they did not depend on favorable winds to go where they needed to go. If they had a destination in mind, almost no matter what the weather, they could get the rowers moving the boat in the right direction. And a skilled crew of oarsmen were so good at maneuvering these, they could spin the boat 360 degrees on its axis. Now when you're an under rower, when you're below deck, obviously you can't see necessarily where the ship is going. And so there were leaders who would chant the rhythm and chant instructions for what each rower was supposed to be doing. And what they would do is they would often use drums and pipes and music to make sure every rower could hear what they were supposed to be doing. This is sounding a lot more like a church service the more I talk about it. And this is a beautiful picture of what it means to be a part of a church where you Take the oar. You're not just going to hold on and and ski on Sundays, but all throughout the week, every day of your life, you are a part of something where your contribution matters, where we, guided by the Spirit of, of God as a church, we can pick a destination that we're called to, and no matter what adverse wind of culture or adverse current is out there, we can go together where God is calling us to go. My hope for us today is that every one of us leaves here with an increased sense of value and an increased sense of urgency about what it means to participate in your church. Whether you're a part of Victory Faith here and you call this your home, whether you're passing through today and you have another home church, or whether you're figuring out where that is, Whatever church God calls you to, I want to invite you to take an oar, to be a part of the team, to help propel us where we are called to go. Amen? And this is so key right now because right now we're in a moment in culture where culture is trying to minimize the value of church in an individual's life. Culture is trying to tell us that it doesn't matter whether or not you participate in church. And it's not just culture. I even read a Christian magazine recently, and they had an article titled, Stop Inviting Your Friends to Church. Exactly. What? (laughs) Christian magazine? And I thought it was a joke or sarcastic, but they were serious. And I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe my eyes. And they were saying you should stop inviting your friends to church for a few reasons. One, they were saying church is weird. Okay, you got us. (laughs) Church is weird. We sing songs. We pray for each other. We do things that people don't do. In their normal lives, right? And the Bible even says, you are a peculiar people. (laughs) And my son, Finn, he's on the front row here. He told me recently, one of his favorite verses is when when it says, uh, if we appear as if we are crazy, it is for the glory of God. And if we appear in our right minds, it is for your benefit. (laughs) I love that. That's so good. So yeah, we're a little bit weird. But then their main point in the article was that Life and self improvement as a Christian is better walked out in real life, which doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. And I have some issues with that. Number one, real life comes from Jesus. The life that we are living pales in comparison to the life that Jesus offers us. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And if we're going to find real life anywhere, I would hope it would be on a Sunday morning with fellow believers following Jesus as our leader. And number two, church was never designed to be a self-improvement club and I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but if all we're here for is to take our old lives and improve it a little bit, that's not being Christians. That's not being disciples. That's some form of Christian Buddhism, if anything. Self-improvement is not what Jesus teaches us, because we follow Jesus, and what Jesus showed us, where Jesus leads us as his disciples is to the cross. And at the cross, he shows us exactly what we ought to do with ourselves. We don't take our old life and improve it. We take our old life and we nail it to the cross with Jesus. And then we bury it in the ground so that his resurrection life can make us new creations. And then he invites us to be a part of his body, to be a part of his church. He invites us to take the oar, to get into a church where you can be on the ship and help direct with your power, with your life equity, where it's going. So this morning, I want to give us some oars that we can grab onto as believers as we participate in church. And there's four of them. I'm going to list them out here, and then we are going to unpack each one. Number one, I can attend church as a consumer or as a contributor. That's right. It's a pun. This whole sermon is just one big dad joke, (laughs) but I'm a dad and that's okay. I can attend church as a consumer or a contributor. Take the or. I can worship as a mere participant or as a priest. I can receive the word as a spectator or as a steward, or I can just attend church on Sunday or I can live as an ambassador. So let's unpack these. Number one. I can attend church as a consumer or a contributor. You know, when you first come to church, it's all about you. And that's the way we design it. Actually, if it's your first time today, we're doing all of this for you. At Victory Faith, we want Sunday morning to be a place where you come in, where you feel inspired, where you feel lifted up, where you feel like this is a place where you can be loved, where you are valued, where you belong. We go out of our way to make it a fun and engaging experience for you. We give you a little welcome bag of goodies for coming for the first time. And then if you come visit us at Connections, we send you a box full of more goodies and inviting you back. And it's all about you because we want you to know this is a place where you can put down roots and go deep and grow in your faith. But over time, like any good family, you know, the first time, you ever hear this, you go to somebody's house, they say, hey, the first time you come, you're a guest. The next time you come, you're family. And what they mean is, will you please help clear the table? Will you please help do some dishes? Can you, can, can you contribute to what's going on here? But there's this gravity in our lives as individuals, as human beings, where we want to sink back to being consumers instead of contributors. And we've always had this pull from the very beginning. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul addresses this in the very early church. Listen to what he says. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat, for in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal." One goes hungry, another gets drunk. (laughs) Now, this is a church service he's talking about. Could you imagine being in the early church, showing up, and you were supposed to have communion, but you were late, and all the food is gone, and everyone there is drunk? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Would you go back to that church? Probably not. Because it's a church full of people who are there to get what benefits them the most without looking out for others at all. And I love this. He says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Should I commend you in this? No, I will not. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. In other words, Paul is saying, stop being consumers at church. Learn to do your part and contribute. Now, you need to come to church for you, yes. Every Sunday morning, there is something in this house, in the relationships with other believers, in the worship, in the word. You need that for your week. You need that for your life. But as we mature and grow as a part of a life-giving church, we participate in giving that life and not just receiving it. We lift our eyes up to see who's here on Sunday that I can give some life to today. And church, I actually mainly want to commend you for this. I know some of you are hearing this is challenging, but Victory Faith, there's so many of you who are so good at this. I see you out in the lobbies, meeting new people, praying for people, inviting them out for coffee, inviting them out for lunch, saving seats for someone that you never met before. And that, it, is a way that you take an oar. And it's not just about the hospitality team. It's every one of us really pulling this ship in a life-giving direction for everyone who comes through our doors. So good on you. Let me celebrate you, Victory Faith. You're so good at this. But on top of that, I especially want to celebrate a group of people. A lot of you are in the room right now. If you are a volunteer at Victory Faith on on any team, man, you really get this. You've really grabbed hold of an oar with us and you are pulling this ship in such a powerful way that we couldn't do without you. So whether you're in the parking team, if you're a greeter, an usher, a cafe, security, if you're on the prayer team, if you're on the Victory Kids team, if you're on the offering counters, if you're on the Discover team, if you're on the media worship or sound teams, can we just thank and honor those teams, those volunteers right now? You can come to church as a consumer or a contributor. Take the or. Number two, you can come and approach worship and prayer as a participant, merely a participant, or as a priest. In 1 Peter 2.5, the apostle says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's calling us as a church, the priesthood. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a priest. You're a priest. Now, when you hear that word, it can conjure up all kinds of imagery. You know, Negative or positive of what that means. But what he's particularly talking about is the priests of the Old Testament whose job it was to make a place where God's presence lives on the earth a place for God's glory. In fact, what Peter is hearkening back to is a verse that that King David wrote many years before when he was hiding out in a cave and when he was just stuck all by himself in exile on the run for his life, he was separated from what he loved most, which was the temple of God. He loved the tabernacle. He loved worshiping in God's presence. It was his favorite place to be, but he couldn't be there. And so he says this in Psalm 141, Verse 2, he says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, God, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is a beautiful verse because what he is saying here is God. I'm in exile. I can't be right outside of your your presence right now. But I know that in that tabernacle, right outside the curtain of the Holy of Holies, there's incense burning right now as I write this. God, could my prayer be like that incense? Can we do something special here? God, can you can you count it as if I was right next to your presence? And could the lifting of my hands, would you count that as if the priests were here offering sacrifices so that this could be a landing place of your glory? And God was saying, "Yes, David, you're a man after my own heart. You get it. You understand that lifting your hands is a sacrifice of praise, that that is worshiping me, that that, that as you lift your hands, you are lifting your heart and you are making A landing zone for my glory right where you are at. And church, this is you and me. When you come here on a Sunday morning and lift your voices with us, when you lift your hands with us, you are being priests. And you are making this place a landing zone of God's glory. Now, let me say something God's presence is everywhere, right? There's nowhere you can go and be away from God's presence, He is omnipresent. His glory, however, is not everywhere. His glory comes to the places where his people, his priests are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And I want to take this moment to address the people watching online. We're so thrilled that you're with us here this Sunday and every other Sunday And Pastor Craig actually talked about this last Sunday and gave you a challenge about wherever you're at, be a priest, lift your hands, lift your voice, stand up and participate. And that's so, so good. But I also want to, maybe there's a small sliver of you out there watching right now that I want to give a little extra challenge to. And you'll know who you are because the Holy Spirit will identify you. I wouldn't know, but you ask the Holy Spirit if this is you or not. But if your only reason for watching online and not being here is a reason of convenience and not a reason of, you know, safety or health or whatever, let me challenge you that it is much harder to do your work as a priest in God's house when you're at home that it's here in this place that God always pictured his people gathering together as priests to make this landing zone of his glory. I'm just saying we have work for you to do here with us in our worship services. And when we do this all together, when we lift our hands, that's a sacrifice of praise. And maybe you don't prefer lifting your hands. Maybe that's not your preference. But that's what makes it a sacrifice of praise. Because our worship as priests isn't about our preference. It's about what God likes, not what we like. And God makes it very clear all throughout his scripture, he likes lifted hands. He likes voices singing out loud. It says he likes loud music. Woo! Loud. He likes cymbals and strings and horns. There are things that God likes that maybe aren't our preference, but when we come together, And we give God those things. And in doing those, when we lift our hands, we put our hearts right there with it. He responds in a big way with his glory. And then it's not just the worship team working as hard as they can to pull us along on our water skis. Instead, we are pushing the worship team higher and harder and faster into God's presence, into the heavenly places. Amen? And church, let me commend you again. You are worshipers. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for taking the oar. Number three, I can approach and receive the word as a mere spectator or as a steward. In 1 Corinthians 4, 1, again, this is our key verse for the day. Paul doesn't just say we should be regarded as servants, as under rowers, but also as stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, that word steward could be translated as manager or trustee. In other words, I'm somebody who's been given something in order to divvy it out to others. And what is it that I divvy out? It's the mysteries of God. You could also translate that, I think it's helpful to know, that could be translated as secrets of God. So it's not like a mystery that you have to be lucky to figure out, but it's a secret that's been shared with you and trusted to you for you to share with others at the appropriate time and place. I am a steward of a mystery. Now that means I need to know the mysteries of God. I don't know how I feel about that. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. But let me share something with you that I heard recently. It was a, a theology teacher who said this, we are all theologians. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a theologian. You may have never thought of that about yourself in that way before, but you have thoughts and you have ideas about God. And that makes you a theologian. It doesn't make you a good theologian. But it makes you a theologian nonetheless. So I think what I feel the challenge to do in response to Paul's word here is be a good theologian. How do I do that? Because I can't be a good theologian just by hearing the word for 30 minutes on a Sunday once a week. That's not enough. That's not enough for me to mature the way that God expects me to mature. I need to go deeper for myself. And let me give you one really good practical way to take the oar in becoming a better theologian. And that is just read your Bible every day. I believe that reading your Bible every day will make you a better theologian than 90%. Of the Christians out there because it's lacking. It's a value that's lacking. We just need to know the Word of God and what it says. If you want to go deeper, there are so many tools out there that can help you go deeper. You can use the Bible Project on the Bible app and watch the videos that unpack what each each book of the Bible is about, what each theme of the Bible is about. There's TheosU, which is a theology school you can do for the price of a Netflix subscription. Could you imagine if a bunch of Christians canceled their Netflix and subscribed to Theology School instead? Where we all took ownership of rightly dividing the Word of God and knowing what we believe for ourselves and not uh, just offloading that responsibility on our pastors and leaders. All of us can know the Word of God and learn to divide it rightly. and In that way, we take the oar of being who God has called us to be. Number four. I can just be a mere attender on Sundays or I can be an ambassador. Now hear me out, attending is so important and I wanna encourage you, attend more often. Be at church as often as you possibly can but in doing that, let's also remember that Monday through Saturday, we have even more responsibilities as Christians, as disciples, as a part of this church, to be an ambassador. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. God. Jesus was very strategic that the last thing he did before he ascended into heaven, before he left this earth, he looked at each one of his disciples and he said to them, go, go into all the world and make disciples. He commissioned us because we are the disciples today. So that means wherever you go, God sent you. You are an ambassador for, for Christ. So the Bible also says that God knew the the times set for them and the exact places where they would live. God knows your address. And combining these ideas, God put you in the neighborhood where you live for a reason. You were sent there. Look at your neighbor and say, you were sent. When you go to your coffee shop each day, you were sent there. When you go to your workplace, you were sent there by God. When you go to your school, when you go to your grocery store, when you go to your barber, when you go to your dog groomer, God sent you there. Wherever you go, unless you're going somewhere in rebellion, (laughs) God sent you there. So when I go down to the park next to my house, Holy Spirit's been working on this in my life. I need a lot of improvement in this area to realize I'm an ambassador. Holy Spirit's been so faithful. Every time I go to the park with my kids, my number one reason is to go connect with my kids. But then I'll feel the Holy Spirit kind of tapping on my shoulder. Hey, Justin, remember, I sent you here. Then I stop looking at my phone. I put it away. I start looking for other people, other parents, just offering a, a kind Smile, just a look in the eye, a chance to have conversation, just realizing I carry in my heart the life giving love of Jesus, and there's others who need that. I don't need to preach to them, I don't need to cram it down their throats. I just need to be an ambassador. I just need to carry that hope as who I am. And God is faithful to open up doors of conversation. I believe He'll do the same for you. You can take the oar of being an ambassador, because church, outside these four walls, there is a city that needs rescuing. There are thousands of people that we cross every single day who are living in hopelessness, who are living in darkness, who are living in hell on earth right now. And they're looking for answers. And what they're looking for is people, They're looking for a place. And I want to invite you to be that people. I want to invite you today to take an oar, to get in the boat with us, and to start rowing as we aim the, the nose of this ship straight at the gates of hell. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means we are on a rescue mission. We're gonna take all of the, Power of all of us pulling together, going in the direction by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to smash open the gates of hell in our community and set the captives free, to rescue them out of darkness, to bring them into the life of Christ. And we do that together. I refuse to give in to any philosophy that minimizes the role of the church in people's lives. I refuse. And I want you to join me with that because I can take the equity of my life, I can take my time and I can spend it on so many things. Why not spend it on what Jesus is doing? And he's building his church. He hasn't stopped. And I want the equity of my life to go towards what he's doing. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here today and you've been in that hopelessness. You've been in that darkness and you came here because your life is full of turmoil, full of confusion, and you came here looking for a little bit of light, for a little bit of hope. You came here today knowing you've been drifting. You've been just pushed by every storm, by every wave, by every wind that life has thrown at you. But I want you to know today that Jesus is coming to your rescue. Jesus came to rescue every single one of us. He came to offer you a great exchange. Your life, right where it's at, as messed up as it may seem, just give him that and he will give you his life, his wholeness, his abundant life, because he was the perfect son of God who came to earth, and then he died on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And when he did that, he took hell's claim off of your life. It no longer has any authority over you. He set you free. And you can know that freedom. You can know that abundant life today simply by saying yes to Jesus. I'll take the deal. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you lift your hand for me? I want to pray with you. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come Holy Spirit. Hands going up all over. Come Holy Spirit. Just keep them up for me for a minute. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bible says in Romans 10 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. So you can put your hands down right now but church what I want to do is for everyone who did raise their hands or if you didn't and you wish you did we're going to pray a prayer together with those who did raise their hands and in faith believe that this is a moment of rescue and salvation for each one of them. So would you all in the room just repeat this after me. Father in heaven. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to rescue me. I'm getting on your boat today. (laughs) Jesus, I believe that you died for me to forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead to give me new life. So Jesus, be my Lord. I'm following you from now on. God, be my Father. I want to know you more. And Holy Spirit, be my guide. Come and fill me now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. You can stand to your feet. Church, I want to encourage you. One practical way that you can take an oar, if you're listening to this message and you're like, yeah, I'm in. You got me sold. Tell me what to do, Pastor. First stop, if you haven't yet, next Sunday at 11 a.m. in Classroom 1, go to Discover. It's a class that will show you where all the oars are, where to sit on the boat, and how to get started going on this journey with us. Amen? Amen. And then as we close today, we get to put this into practice because we're going to worship together. And as we lift our hands, let's be priests. Let's lift our hearts and let's make this place a landing zone for God's glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's worship.